1: Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Ku. On today's show, my special guest is Alexander Bilos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide, one of the companies I mentor and advise. We're going to be talking about drones as a managed services and their use cases. On this week's tech news, I'm going to follow up to the 17-year-old alleged mastermind between the Twitter hack and how during his bail hearing, which he actually didn't show up for, which was good, the hearing got Zoom bombed, which is when people who have the password, in this case there's no password, can take over your meeting because your Zoom settings or your video conferencing settings are too loose. So apparently the judge, while raising the bail to about 700 k this is more than the 118 k in Bitcoin that this group allegedly hacked, at the same time he was trying to eject trolls, who were doing things like piping in different music and languages and actually very adult-themed content. So it was actually very embarrassing for this court. ride Aid has a bit of a controversy. It came out, and while not illegal, they were using facial recognition in at least 200 stores for about eight years. I say it's not illegal because actually only states like California, New York, and Texas, a few others, have very robust data privacy laws, but the majority of states still does not. That's why there's a lot of requests to have a federal data privacy standard. The controversial thing by civil libertarians is that Rite Aid not only uses technology, but they had it in about 200 stores, the majority of which served lower income populations in the United States. Disney is testing the market of their Disney Plus streaming service they never had a chance to release the movie Mulan. So instead, they're going to release it direct to their Disney Plus stream only. And even if you're repaying the monthly subscription fee, they're asking for an additional $30. Now, the way to look at it is what would you have paid to go to a theater or not? And so Disney, in my opinion, is really testing to see whether its fans are willing to pay that extra premium to get first release content. And as always, what's happening with the COVID-19 and the pandemic, there are new business models being tested every day, and that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again today, my special guest is Alexander Billos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide, one of the companies that I'm actively involved with. Welcome to the show, Alexander.
2: Hi, Keith. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
1: Alex, I really love the work we're doing with Aeronide. Why don't we start off with your background? How did you become the chief technology officer of Aeronide?
2: Well, Keith, I really hope we can uh, fit that story into the short time, but uh, I'll run through it very quickly. Born and raised in Ukraine, I moved uh, to this beautiful country in 2005 at the age of 15. I was destined to be a doctor, but that didn't fit my personal ambitions. So I ended up pursuing uh, just you know general business and ultimately joining the United States Navy for four years. Uh, as a compromise with my family, I was a combat medic. It was uh, one of the greatest experiences. I was involved in uh, medevac during my uh, tour in Iraq in 2008. And um, upon completion of uh, my service, I was uh, still spending some time trying to find where the passions are. What is it that I really want to contribute to this world? Young, you know, premium years, as I like to call them. I decided to pursue my bachelor's degree and then ultimately my master's degree in business administration at the University of Central Florida. And that's really where my passion for technology, systems, and things flying really was sparked. Part of the last semester at uh, UCF, my Blackstone project was to focus on an emerging industry in the technology sector and anything that has ha- could have had potential to disrupt the way we live, the way we see the world, the way we interact with each other, the way we move around and move things around. And uh, 2014 was the year. I will never forget it. 2014 was... The first time I saw a toy drone flying in my neighborhood. And, you know, it's one thing to see um, drones on the website and in all of these really cool travel videos. But it's another thing when you see this amazing technology in the hands of a 15-year-old who's your neighbor. And it really makes you think, wow, where is this going to take us? Are we really nearing the reality of flying cars, because, you know, we have had airplanes, we have had helicopters, blimps and rockets for quite a while. But in the age of quantum computing, and especially the year 2020, flying cars are not, still not here, but we still think about them. I decided that drones was really it. There was nothing else in the world that excited me as much, that combined A completely new industry, new business models, new data, new processes around data, and the potential of job creation was something that really, really got me going. We're in uh, 2020 now. I am uh, the chief technology officer, one of the co-founders. I uh, run this company with um, four other amazing partners. Uh, A few of them uh, moved to the United States from overseas just to pursue this dream. We truly believe that our work, the FAA's work, NASA's work, and our partners around the world will be able to unify and harmonize autonomous fleet management to where fleets of useful drones, flying ambulances, flying taxis will become a reality within our lifetime.
1: Well, thanks, Alex. I mean, that's a great introduction. And I liked how you were talking about how you were inspired by watching a toy because we're way beyond toys now. And I know that we had PK, uh, Dr. Paramal, corporate doctor, on um, last week. He's the head of NARI, the NASA Aeronautic Research Institute uh, here in Silicon Valley. And everything you're talking about, we want to get people understand that it's not about toys these are actually going to be part of everyday life and that's really what companies like Aeronide are doing. Uh, I think when we get into um, a little bit more in today's show we're going to talk about the relationship with the FAA, what are some of the use cases that are happening right now, what are the use cases that are emerging. So I think it's just really coming together and I really like how Aeronide is a managed service And that's where we were talking about the autonomous fleet management. Um, Cars, to me, are still a little out there. I know that we're preparing for it. So we talked about last week's show with PK. We talked about the shows we've done with Edgar Munoz, who's the CEO of Aeronide. We all are waiting for that vision to occur. But there's so many things that have to happen before that really becomes reality. I really appreciate you being here today, Alex. And I don't want anyone to go away because we're going to be talking a lot more. It's a hot topic. You're listening to the Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, I have Alex Bilos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide out of the Space Coast in Florida. Uh, we have a drone as a service company. We're branching out into different states. If you have questions or comments about how to engage with Aeronide, you can email us at info at And don't go away because we'll be right back to talk about more with Drones and Fleet Management, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host,
1: Keith Ku. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Ku. My special guest today is Alex Belos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide, a company I'm very close to at the Space Coast in Florida, who does managed services around drones and their fleets. Welcome back, Alex. Hi, Keith. Thank you for having me. So I think a really good question for you in your role as CTO of Aeronide is... What is the FAA Lance Program, and why is that important?
2: Well, Keith, as you know, Aeronite is the FAA-approved UAS service supplier. The FAA's Lance Program is a federal program. It's a public-private partnership between the Federal Aviation Administration and approved and qualified partners like Aeronite. LAN stands for Low Authorization and Notification Capability. It is by far the most important project that I myself and our team have been working on over the past two years. As you know, there is over a million drones in the American national airspace, and there is only going to be more because we want this industry, the commercial drone industry, to grow. However, there are certain uh, safety aspects of the operation that need to be addressed and uh, lance is uh, a digital exchange program between drone pilots and the FAA as well as air traffic control it is a safety enhancement platform which allows the operators to notify the air traffic controller and ultimately the entire traffic management system of where they plan to, flight, to fly their drones, how long do they plan uh, to fly their missions for, what devices they will be using, and at the same time, safety considerations will be made based on those inputs to the FAA systems. Very safety-focused. We are very happy to be involved with the FAA in advance, uh, safe commercial drone operations. However, Lance is a component of a larger global Uh, architecture called UTM, Unmanned Traffic Management. Service suppliers, drone operators, and um, federal and state-level agencies in the United States and also around the world are working very actively on uh, building the Unmanned Traffic Management framework very soon. We need it quickly. So far, Lance and UTM have been very successful. Participation is great. I believe the FAA has done a tremendous job with managing this project and facilitating onboarding of new partners.
1: Great. Well, thank you. And I think it's really important trying to make it more into layman's terms that back to people's fear of the unknown. So a lot of people fear drones Great. for a number of reasons, data privacy, surveillance, unwanted surveillance, and also what happens when the drones crash, right? Out here in Silicon Valley, I know a couple of mayors, uh, drones are not allowed in certain cities because they're in the flight path of certain airports. But with Lance and being a Lance-approved partner, that's where you know that you've actually qualified with all the existing regulations. We've had on previous shows, Greg Walden, who's the former FAA general counsel as well, as Michael Drobak, his partner, who's the former head lobbyist for Netflix, but these are two lobbyists from now handling the small UAV coalition, which we're a part of, who when we had them on the show um, about a year, year and a half ago, it was all about how the importance of the leaders in drones and drones of the service are setting, helping set policy that the U.S. can adopt that can then apply to everyone in the ecosystem. And then that then leads to policies that flow through the rest of the world. Yes, absolutely. I
2: know both of the Gregs; They're very experienced uh, gentlemen. They have been, I believe, very critical in the existence of Small UAV Coalition and policies, at least the feedback for policies that go on Capitol Hill. So um, the industry is being heard. Once again, and this is not a very unique situation where technology moves faster than the regulatory environment. That's why facilitating this public-private environment has been very critical. You know, in layman's terms, again, Keith, the technology is really cool. It can be very useful. Uh, Most people uh, uh, do not understand it, however. So, of course, it is scary. Uh, We're also talking about low-altitude flights. Uh, So all of these concerns, safety concerns, privacy concerns, data protection concerns, are being actively addressed as we speak. And my projection is that within the next two years, we're going to have a very organized, regulated, compliant ecosystem for commercial drone operations.
1: We talked about Lance. What are some other programs that are happening right now to make sure that we have safe skies?
2: Another program which has been in the works uh, on the FAA side, and we are very excited to uh, jump on board, is remote ID, remote identification for unmanned aerial systems. Um, you know, identification of devices and aircraft is not a new concept. We've been doing that for quite a long time. However, we're talking about connected systems, digital systems. To simplify it, I like to compare a commercial drone to a flying cell phone, just in the air, just flying. Cell phones are all connected to each other. Every device can be identified. Um, cell phones also operate on networks. They they send. A, it is an internet operation here. So remote ID really addresses operational requirements and also some best practices for identifying UAS actively in the air, either via transponder technology or network based technologies. In simpler terms, I'd like to call it, it's a digital license plate for every drone that's going to be operating in the American airspace. at least. That provides transparency to the industry, to uh, our citizens. That also provides more oversight to regulatory agencies. I think it's really one of the biggest steps that we will take to allowing this technology to be accepted by the public, to be controlled, regulated, but also to be useful on a larger scale.
1: How similar is it to tail letters?
2: Tail letters are you know visible painted letters on an airplane, right? It's on the fuselage. In that respect, it is not that easy to look up and see a commercial drone that's under 55 pounds, for instance, right? They become very small. So In reality, that's what the remote ID is going to accomplish. It's going to digitize tail letters. And equivalent to that actually to date is uh, ADS-B technology that was adopted in demand aviation for those same reasons. When you cannot see the device, you still would like to be able to track it, know exactly what it is and uh, what license plate it has. So I look forward to this.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really a great segue because you said it earlier, if people could wrap their heads that drones are really analogous to flying mobile phones and that how you track mobile phones and you have to have a system like that so you know how to get a hold of them and you can, you know where they're at so that you can actually effectively monitor their behavior. That's the important feature. Um, I really love this conversation. I want you to stick around as we come back. We're going to talk about some of the use cases that have already occurred, especially with Aeronide and other systems. I think it's fascinating. If you have questions or comments about drones or unmanned systems or how drones will be used in many different verticals, please email us at info at svin.biz. And we'll be right back with Alex Belos, Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. For questions
0: or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo.
1: Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Alexander Bielos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide, a company that I'm an advisor to. And they do manage drones as a service. We've been talking about critical infrastructure, agriculture, and other use cases. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about an interesting national release put out by the National Security Agency, which is called Beware of Device Collecting Location Data. So whether you think about it or not, all of our devices, especially our mobile phones, collect data all the time, and we have the ability to give permissions on what is allowed and what is not allowed. And so, when we think about the Garmin hack that's happening right now, and people that have got the Garmin fitness tracker on your phone, for instance, it's collecting data. There was actually, a couple years back, a story I covered where a secret military base in Afghanistan was actually outed on the fitness app Strava because all the military personnel didn't know their phones defaulted to giving out their location data. So it was actually a beacon if anybody was actually looking for it for this information. So here you have the NSA issuing an alert to all their defense personnel. So military, contractors, law enforcement, that they need to be very aware about what settings that they allow and not allow on their phone. And this is beyond just things that say, don't give out my location data. You actually give out your location data with many different sensors in your phone, such as Bluetooth. So here's the interesting thing. We're now talking about contact tracing. We're talking about Apple and Google, how they're merging their data sets and how we as a society want to contact trace using our phones anonymously. Well, just think about that. You have to make a decision on what's more important to you, your privacy, or your ability to use your mobile device to get these types of alerts like you might have been in contact with a person who was infected with coronavirus. So I'm just pointing these things out that it's never as easy as do I turn it on or turn it off. It's much better for you as an individual to get educated on these privacy things, especially as our technology continues to advance so that you're empowered to make the right decision for yourself. And that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with my very special guest and partner in the aviation space, Alex Bilos, Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide out of Melbourne, Florida. Hey, Alex.
2: Hey, Keith, thank you. Always happy to be on the Silicon Valley Insider. Thank you for having me.
1: So early in the show, we talked a lot about your background, your passion around uh, UAV, unmanned aerial vehicles and systems. We also talked about the importance of the work that we are doing with the industry on programs like Lance and Remote ID to make sure that their drones are flying safe and that they're able to be identified. I wanted to talk now about the use cases. Now that Aeronide's a certified partner of these programs, what have been some of the use cases that are happening right now?
2: Well, Keith, I can tell you the drone technology is very useful and versatile. And there have been a lot of use cases that are being validated, but that have already been validated and are being adopted by different industry sectors. But I would like to start with, uh, just briefly, drone deliveries. Drone deliveries is by far the use case and the hot topic that has been around and probably the most popular subject among all. There is companies like Amazon, UPS, and FedEx who are planning to deploy large-scale uh, drone delivery operations directly to consumer. Based on uh, my feedback from the industry and from the partners is it's uh, moving steadily. Everything is uh, successful. Once lands and UTM ecosystems are stabilized, it is very likely that we will be able to get books to our doorstep via drone. However, that is not uh, Aeronite's uh, um, core focus. We are not a drone uh, delivery type of a business. We are more focused on uh, infrastructure, inspections, and public safety. A few of the use cases that Aeronite have been involved in, very successfully, and we made a few clients very happy, are transmission line inspection. Solar panel inspection, especially here in Florida, is uh, very popular, Solar fields can benefit from drone technology on the inspection, and even cleaning services, remote or on-site. We uh, have been running a project with a city in the state of Virginia that's been focusing on infrastructure improvement, and uh, drones have proven to be very useful with uh, pavement condition indices, analysis, and monitoring. Uh, This really allows Department of Transportation to build roads better and more appropriately to accommodate the city's needs, and cities use that uh, data, ultimately information, to accurately uh, to provide accurate information to the funding sources that help fund and improve the infrastructure of the city. So, very, very, very useful technology. Another very popular and almost sanitized use case is uh, volumetric measurements. Mm-hmm. Anybody who, any business owner or business manager who is involved in stockpiles, we're talking gravel, we're talking salt, very large volumes of materials who need to accurately measure the weight and the volume of their inventory for tax reporting purposes or for project Uh, management purposes, or just to be accurate, to be able to more accurately quote their customers, they can now use drone technology almost on demand to get those accurate measurements. And we are uh, very actively involved in the provision of that service. So flying drones, aggregating data, generating reports, saving you time so you can make those decisions very quickly in, in the best way possible
1: i uh, I think we can talk about it. the volumetric one of the volumetric customers we had uh back out east um had miscalculated their inventory around something like sawdust for activated charcoal, yeah, and our team got out there and did a scan. forgot how long the scan took was it twenty minutes We were
2: talking yeah we we're, we're we're talking very large volumes of materials. I believe our average scan was uh, 30 minutes. Okay. However, that is considered for the accuracy of the final product, that is considered a very quick commercial drone mission uh, on-site, on-demand. Aggregating and uh, generating the reports based on the data didn't take us much longer. Sometimes it might take up to um, a few hours depending on the volume of inspection that we conducted. But the beauty of it is is that we can simplify the entire workflow. We we don't want you to worry about hiring pilots. We don't want you to worry about maintaining drone fleets, batteries and all other components. We don't want you to worry about regulatory compliance and meeting all FAA requirements. We want to make sure that you can run your business quickly, efficiently and make your customers happy. That's why Aeronite does the work. And we provide you with insights that can make you, that can help you make best decisions.
1: Yeah. And I I think it's great. Back to the example on the volumetric scan, um, you know, hundred year old family business, they had totally miscalculated their inventory for the year. And uh, they once, I don't know how often they do it, but they do a, a kind of a, just a visual, like you and me, a visual inspection of how much they think they have. And sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. What was the percentage of accuracy that we attained on that pile of sawdust?
2: We were thirty percent more accurate than their best estimations. Keith, I mean, you can uh, you can imagine there is no scale in the world that you can pour a uh, hundred tons of material and they can provide you with the you know the accurate width mass, and and volume. So, majority of the measurements are done by industry experts who just have seen the materials and have seen different volumes over a long period of time so much to where they are considered an expert in estimating what the volume truly is. Um, Drone scans really uh, take that uncertainty and the inaccuracies uh, out of the picture. Not entirely, but it is the next very, very
1: good step. Let's go to some other industries. Yeah.
2: So, one of our clients uh, is in the salt industry. They have large volumes of salt that arrive at the seaport, and they stay there for quite a while, sometimes, or they're it, they're moved to other locations. And uh, you know, measuring salt is uh, no different than. Uh, measuring sawdust or gravel or construction uh, materials. Of course, we're talking different uh, inputs, materials cost different things, they weigh different things, so volume is not necessarily mass. Um, But once again, applying drone technology and drone analysis solutions to anybody who needs accurate readings of volumes of their inventory is the next best alternative.
1: So, what are we doing in terms of critical infrastructure?
2: Critical infrastructure is—it's a lot of things. It depends on who who you talk and what talk to and what industry they're in. Transmission lines are a critical infrastructure. Uh, power plants, uh, transportation networks, disaster recovery networks—those are all critical. And we have been involved in. Uh, transmission line inspection, security, uh, perimeter security, and uh, there is one project that, at least at the moment, really just can cannot get into it. But but um, you can but
1: think about inspection of um, we can just pull things out: wind turbines, cell towers, right. uh, oil pipelines. I mean, anything yeah. that needs to be monitored. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oil pipelines, transmission
2: lines. Cell towers, wind turbines. If if we simplify this, anything that constitutes a long line or a tall line really falls into the sweet spot for using uh, drone inspection technology. If you have to, if you have to inspect something linear for many, many, many miles, absolutely, you gotta go drone. Faster, quicker. In most cases, significantly cheaper. Uh, if we're talking uh, towers, radio towers, uh, air traffic control towers, wind turbines, cell phone towers, even tall buildings, we're talking if it, we're talking higher efficiency and significantly higher uh, safety for the operator when using sure. drone.
1: If you're really interested in what we're doing with AeroNide, drop us a line at info at svn.biz. We'll be sure to get in touch with you because it's something that I'm personally very passionate about. I think that proper use of commercial drones as a technology is a game changer. I think whether it's in agriculture, municipalities, uh, private industry, there's just so many advantages to having a drone do something instead of a human. It's faster, quicker, cheaper, and much safer. So definitely drop a slide at info.svn.biz. Alex, great for you to be here today. Don't go away because I want you to come back on the pivot and that's where we're going to talk about flying cars. So thanks for being here again. Any more questions, you can come to our website, svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'll be right back with The Pivot.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider.
1: Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My special guest today has been Alex Billos, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide, a company out of Melbourne, Florida, doing commercial drones as a service. Hey, Alex, thanks for being here again. Keith, happy to be here. Thank you. So I loved earlier in the show, we talked about the state of commercial drones, um, the work that we are doing and the industry is doing to make sure that we have safe skies, and that drones can be identified, and we're talking about a lot of the commercial use cases. I wanted to talk about the future, and I know in the early part of the show, we talked about even perhaps flying cars. So what's your vision of the future in relation to drones? My
2: vision for the future is that what we are experiencing today, these small commercial drone systems, they are truly paving the way for the next transportation infrastructure that we will become reliant on for centuries to come. We are entering very quickly into the three-dimensional transportation network for the masses. I'm not talking, you know, private airplanes or commercial airplanes or helicopters who are only accessible to a certain class of people. Flying cars from the technology standpoint are getting a lot closer And uh, that means the development of propulsion systems, onboard computing, evolving very quickly. Matter of fact, I believe that we have the tools, the knowledge, and certain technologies that exist today that we just have not combined properly to make this work. But when we talk about flying cars, we also have to simultaneously consider the architecture of the buildings in the cities, and the towns that we live in. If you look around, the car that you drive today really shaped the way the world was built. The streets that we drive on, the parking garages, the entrances and the exits, that will change as our transportation methods evolve. I I really look forward to seeing, and through my through my years, I really look forward to seeing the evolution of buildings, personal habitats, and uh, vertical takeoff and landing infrastructure that will, I believe, is already positioned uh, to take over the rooftops of majority of the buildings that we see today.
1: Well, that's fascinating. I've uh, had the blessing to travel the world. And I know that car culture started in the United States. Cars were invented in the United States. And so you can see how a lot of our infrastructure was guided by that. So, this And then you think about Europe and Asia, high-dense populations, and all that goes into that. I really like what you're saying. So tell me more about what you're thinking, envisioning. What will it look like?
2: One particular thing, and this is something that I'm very passionate about, I have been passionate uh, about uh, this since my days in the Navy as a combat medic. Medivac, you know, as I live through my days and I walk through the streets and I hear the sirens of an ambulance, nothing can stop me from wanting to put all ambulances in the world in the air. And specifically ambulances, you know, uh, elevating automobiles into the third dimension is definitely a challenge. However, one thing that I see disrupting my day, whether I'm a driver or a pedestrian or, um, uh, just a resident in a high rise building, the siren of the ambulance, the disruption of traffic flow that these life saving machines, uh, cause. And, um, Also, the accidents that happen when emergency responders are in a rush and really are trying to save somebody's life. So before building a flying car or a solution for flying car fleet management, I really want to um, honestly meet, first meet the right partners who actually see that vision and who would agree with me that that is the first piece of uh, mobility infrastructure that we have today that needs to be elevated. Let's put some ambulances in the air, make them a lot more affordable than the very few helicopters in the city.
1: You know, I had heard um, a use case right now in South Korea where law enforcement's using drones for a personal emergency notification. Have you heard about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm a big believer
2: in that and also a great supporter of that, I would use that service myself, and I would love for that service to be available for my children and my future wife, my future children and their children for safety. Imagine you are walking from school or walking from work or working through a park. You would like to have supervision, or you're scared for your life, but you have no other option other than walk through this alley or work through this area. But you have a service available through your mobile device where you can request a guardian, let's call it a guardian drone, to escort you to your destination, uh, providing a live feed to your relatives uh, and, if necessary, also to law enforcement personnel that can be there if you truly need them.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Uh, I know we'll definitely be looking more into that. Alex, thanks again for being here today. I can't believe we're out of time so quickly, so we'll definitely have to have more conversation.
2: Absolutely. Keith, thank you again. I look forward to being back and sharing with you guys.
1: All right. So once again, special guest today is Alex Billows, Chief Technology Officer of Aeronide. Um, Alex is very involved with the work we're doing in the FAA, the Lance program, the small UAV coalition. He's very on top of policy. So if you want to get in touch with Alex or Aronide, give us an email at info at And you always find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And we'll see you next week.
0: You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Ku. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.